0: Thank you guys for tuning in to the On It Podcast. Today's guest is Matt Vincent. I uh, first met Matt Vincent at my old strength coach, Jesse Burdick's wedding. And I felt like a kid in a candy store because I was wandering around after the wedding looking for a table to sit at. And uh, Juliet Starrett, that is uh, Dr. Kelly Starrett's wonderful better half, came and found my wife and I. And she was like, hey, where are you guys sitting? We got two extra seats at our table. So open seating. And uh, we didn't know a whole lot of people there. And we go sit down, and it's Mark Bell his wife and his wife, Dr. Kelly Surrett and his wife, and then Matt Vincent and his wife and uh, really got to dive deep with the guy, learn all about him. He's a two time Highland games champion uh, runner up you know silver medalist in one of those. but um, the guy's story is fantastic. He talks about the ending of his career through injury, uh, some of the dietary practices that he's gotten into to help heal and uh, really avoiding pain medication, which, you know, five surgeries on the knee could have been a massive issue for him, but it has not been, thankfully, uh, thanks to documentaries like Prescription Thugs. And uh, we we dive into all things that are good in this podcast. I think you'll love it. Check it out. Thank you guys for tuning in to the On It podcast. I'm your host, your new host, Kyle Kingsbury, and uh, I'm joined today well, my buddy Matt Vincent, who's What's made up, his man? way out from Louisiana. Yeah, down south, keeping it and keeping it dirty. Awesome, brother. Well, uh, I want to dive into I mean, I know you have a big fan base, a lot of people that know you, but this might be a new crowd. I think so probably. Let, let's let's start from the get go. Like what at what age did you start lifting weights? What got you in athletics?
1: Uh athletics, you know, typical kid from the south started training for football. Uh, you know, freshman year going into high school. So probably thirteen, thirteen, fourteen years old, right around there. Mm-hmm. And uh really just always loved it. Loved loved the weight room, loved the gym. And so that was <clears throat> you know kind of history of sport was got into got into football in high school. Uh, you know was okay at it, nothing great. I uh, got recruited by a couple small schools, but it was better at track and field as a shot putter and then I uh, got asked to go do track and field for LSU and I uh, went and spent 5 years there throwing shot put, discus and hammer. Tigers. Yeah, was a uh, was a terribly average shot putter, discus and hammer thrower in college. <laughs> Which, you know, I've always laughed about it. It's like there's a, there's a window of, um, like, if you were a better thrower than me, I, th- I threw right around 60 feet in the shot, uh, 200 feet in the hammer, and 100, 180 feet in the discus. And those are way far off, like, of an Olympic mark. And so if you were a better thrower than me by, like, 5 or, five or 10%, like, you could probably be like, all right, like, I could probably chase the Olympics. But if you were worse than me, like, you're really bad. Yeah. So I fit like right in this nice window of, like, I don't need to tell myself that I have a career as a shot putter. And then school finished and uh, got out of that and then spent a couple years uh, doing powerlifting, strongman, and I eventually found uh, the Scottish Highland game, so
0: more throwing, and then did that for about uh, the last 10 years. So let's dive into that. You find your calling in a sport that's a little bit odd to most people. Can you break down exactly like what are the events? You guys wear kilts. Yeah, yeah. So we wear kilts, traditional
2: traditional
1: kilts. We uh, I wear spandex under mine. Otherwise, I'd be a, a bloody chafed mess by the by the end of the day. Like <laughs> you know, my, my thighs don't know not touching. they more, more injuries than you want to talk about <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now. Um, and so Highland Games is essentially like um, like it's been around forever. Like they've they've done it with clan battles and stuff like that through Scotland for a couple thousand years. And uh, so you have nine events. You've got two stones that you throw. You have a heavy and a light, uh, 22 pounds and 16 pounds. They're essentially like throwing the shot put. Uh, the heavy one you, you throw just from a standing throw. And then the other one you get a full approach, like throwing uh, just like you do with the shot put. Um, you have two weights that you throw for distance. It's essentially a steel block uh, with a link chain and a ring on it. And so you hook grip onto it and throw it with one hand. Okay. Uh, we have a 56-pound and a uh, 28. So heavy and a light. And then we have two hammers that we throw. Essentially look like a mace, a little bit more flexible. Okay. and whip um, on it. Yeah, so you throw those from a, a fixed position. You actually wear these crazy boots uh, that have, like, a blade on the front of them. So you dig the blade into the ground so that once the hammer gets behind you and, like, the force is pulling you up, you can actually pull on the ground with your legs to bring it back in and accelerate it. And so we throw a 16- and a 22-pound version of that. We throw uh, the caber, which is a telephone pole that everyone is relatively familiar with. Mm-hmm. We throw a 56-pound weight up over a bar for height. And then the last event that uh, happens at some games and not at others is called the sheaf. And it's a 20-pound uh, a uh, burlap bag uh, that you throw with a pitchfork for height over a bar. So I have a pitchfork that I traveled with for 10 years.
0: You're just going around in airports in your kilt, spandex, yeah. and pitchfork.
1: Yeah, I don't I wouldn't wouldn't travel in full gear, but you definitely show up at the airport with your pitchfork. So I've got like a like a Nike shoe bag tied up around the end of it, and then like a you know, foam insulation around the handle. Whatever the lady at the desk asks you, is that that? Just say yes. <laughs> it's never been pitchfork. <laughs> is that a hockey stick? <laughs> yes. yes. And the conversation moves on, and you can, you can go to the plane.
0: That's crazy. So you get to carry that pitchfork on the no, plane? No, 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 okay. no. You check it. Mine's I gotcha. like six foot long. So it's
1: a, it's a disaster to yeah. travel with.
0: That'd be an odd shaped item.
1: It's funny. The longer you do the sport, the lazier you'll get. So you just start like someone there will have a pitchfork. I'll just use theirs.
0: <laughs> not, it doesn't matter it. anymore. <laughs> so when you got into that, you're coming up. You find something that you actually, I mean, it's fun. You give yeah. a shit about it, right? So, you know, talking about what we were talking about in the sauna, like getting into things where it's not a job, it's play. Right, right. You fucking enjoy it, absolutely. and you're happy to be there. And then you notice, hey, maybe I'm pretty fucking good at this. It's, there's a difference between when you were throwing shot put in college yeah. versus how you're doing in the Highland Games, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, throwing in college, I mean, you're dealing still. While throwing's an individual sport, like you're still dealing with a team aspect, and there's still some drama, and there's still it's 19 year old kids, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so there's going to be some some <coughs> bullshit attached to it. Um whereas like Highland Games is so individual and then for the most part like there's like once you get to the pro level and that took me took me a couple years. Uh I, I took really, really well to the sport. Basically if you were a thrower in college, it's like you have cheat codes to start doing the Highland games. And once I got into it and got into the pro level, I really liked it because it's like the same twelve to fifteen dudes that you'd see every weekend. And so it was just an excuse to go hang out with your buddies in a different place and get paid for it.
0: Yeah and you're outdoors yeah you're
1: outside you're in the sun and like you know depending on where we were like if we were in scotland or iceland or if we're in canada we would you know finish up a game and then we would all you know grab beers and stuff like that and then make our way to find some river to go sit in to get out of the heat
0: and then sit there and just talk trash to each other for for an hour so how'd you get into it did somebody tell you like hey man this is something you should do or um, so like as as getting into string
1: sports like with powerlifting and weightlifting and strongman um and then being a thrower like as a thrower at the collegiate level you, you know about the highland games like you know that this is a thing that exists like but wrestlers
0: well, know about mma yeah yeah okay. and so
1: there's also this side of it that like but where do you get started because there's not highling highland game gyms you know what i mean so it's Find a competition that's local to you. Usually, they're part of like a, a bigger, like a Renaissance fair or something like this. We're, Do
0: they have LARP, live action role play, going on the yeah, side? Yeah, I've
1: seen a lot of lightning bolts get thrown. Man, it's <laughs> roll, roll dangerous model. stuff. <laughs> Guys cruising around, the king taking of Burgerland, super serious. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, luckily, luckily, we're all aware of. We're we're all a little bit in on the joke of how silly it is what we're doing, but it's it's good fun, man. You know, and we looked at it, at least at the pro level, like it's a sport. Like it's not. It's it's not the WWE, you
0: know, yeah. it's not
1: scripted or any of this other type of stuff, but the, the rules get a little loose depending on where you're competing and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and it was just a good time, and we're there to put on a show. I mean, these people came through the gate and have paid money, and that's why we're getting paid. I got gotcha. you. Because we're paid entertainment. Yeah. Meanwhile, we are competing. You yeah. Know, still, the winner gets paid more, so... Uh, you know so you find out that the thing exists and you you go find one and try to do it usually get your ass kicked at it because someone's done it longer and then um, you talk to those people make some relationships and figure out how to train for it and where do you get implements and how do you buy those and then how do you where's the next game we can do so we'd found a couple in Dallas that my brother and I would drive to and go compete and did I did two full years as an amateur you know i was traveling a lot for work so i would schedule like work and sales trips around like oh there's a game in tennessee this weekend i'll, I'll go see people in memphis on thursday
0: and then hang out for an extra so day you're doing outside sales at the same
1: time yeah correct right? yeah,
0: yeah yeah and you had to travel quite a bit for that
1: yeah and I would, I would drive for the most part like whether i was driving up the east coast and going to be you know on the road for two weeks trying to see as many customers as i could from like say south carolina up to virginia and so I could figure out that, like, oh, if I'm going to be on the road for two weeks, I may as well do that two-week trip in late March when there's a game in South Carolina and the next weekend there's a game here. You know, if I'm on the road anyway, I may as well let work pay for me to <laughs> get out and go compete, yeah. right? And so that's, that's kind of how I was trying to, you know, find my, my swindle into it of letting let someone else pay for me to make the
0: trips. Hell yeah. So a couple years in, and the amateur level, you yeah. decide, like, I've got a decent feel for this, I'm going to turn pro.
1: Yeah, the turning pro in, in the Highland Games, it's kind of strange. Um, it, it's an invite-only sport. And so, to turn professional, like, you've, you've got to spend a couple years on the grind as an amateur. Even if you're winning everything, that needs to be a must. Like, you've got to be throwing far enough to turn pro. There's no numbers, per se. And there's no, like, qualifier, like, oh, I'm a professional. But... I mean, if you can win the amateur world title, like you're probably throwing far enough to to throw with the pro guys, and then you also need to be invited. And there's some games that, like, man, the old guards there, and like those dudes ain't leaving until they're dead. Yeah. So if you're hoping to get an invite, like you got time, it doesn't matter that you're the best. No one cares that you're the. Like, no one cares to invite the best guy in the world over. We got these eight guys who've been here for the last 15 years, and they they're fine. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> they get
0: the job done. There's still a draw. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So you do that for what? 8 years? Yeah, as a professional for 8 years. And you get two
1: world championships? Two world titles and never finishing lower than second. Hell yeah. So it was a good run, man. I'm pre- run. pretty happy with it.
0: And then uh, as you were saying, you did not choose your exit. Your exit was shown for yeah,
1: you. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of knee surgeries. Uh you know, the the knee was worn out the whole career. And it was held together with duct tape and hope and sinew and scar tissue and <laughs> Eventually, it just uh straw that broke the camel's back. I finally tore a meniscus without, you know, did, did all of those years without an ACL. And then um, finally tore a meniscus and got that fixed, and then kind of decided that, like, all right, at the end of this season, which would have been the end of 2016, like, I got to fix the knee. Let's get in there and fix it, and then we'll take a year off. Let's fully recover and then full charge. We're back in. And it just – It doesn't play out that way, right? Like, you know, those were my plans, but that didn't seem to be the plans that everything else had lined up for me. So you you take it as it comes and figure out what's next. And so, uh, you know, five surgeries in 18 months on the knee trying to fix all the damage I've done. Damn. And uh, now now we're here. We seem to be on kind of the mend, at least a little bit of the most recent surgery.
0: Yeah. So talk a little bit about some of these amazing people that you've worked with along the way that have kind of helped your career. Um, I, I th- we have some commonalities yeah, in this there's, space. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of awesome people, right? And, and that's the biggest thing that while, while I'm in on the joke that Highland Games is, is silly. Like the idea of getting paid money to throw rocks in a field further than someone else is, is a silly idea. But like, like my favorite people on the planet, like, like everyone I know now is, is because I was good at that, mm-hmm. they want to talk to me. And so, like, being able to use that as the catalyst to, to you know, make really good friends with Mark Bell or, or Kelly Surrett, uh or Jesse Burdick, right? You know, these 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 guys now that are weekly conversations I have ha- has been everything. And all of that is due to the time I put in as a Highland Game athlete. You know, if I didn't do that, like, there's what do you talk to me? I'm just an average powerlifter. I'm, like, a, I wasn't very good at that either. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that – Maybe, you know, maybe you break in and maybe you make a relationship and stuff like that personality-wise, but the Highland Game World Championship thing sure opened doors.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, we met actually at uh, Jesse Burdick's yeah, wedding. Wedding, yeah. And right I, was, I had heard of you before. I actually, you know, following Kelly Storette and seeing like, you know, he hit me up. He's like, man, I got this total badass staying at my house. <laughs> and uh, he's like, when he's gone, I'll have you I'll have you come up and you can jump in my ice because he had that 11-foot 11, yeah. 11 pool that was cooled down i was like that is a that's, that's a strong cool, move. man
1: that did you ever did you see it while i was getting built yeah like we'd gone to stay and something like that and like it's not finished yet he basically just has this zombie pit in his backyard that's like 11 feet deep like what are you doing with that
0: yeah. little girls like there's no hurt. stairs no there's deal. no anything like to get out of it it's just this hole yeah it was brutal yeah. but uh he spoke so highly of you and then getting to meet you at the wedding you know we were walking around and and uh there's a lot of cool people at that wedding. A lot wedding, of cool people. For sure. Wedding, right? But Tosh still was kind of, you know, my wife looked at me and she was like, I really want to sit with people we know. You know, it'd be kind of yeah. odd. It's always an awkward thing when you sit with a group of people you never, and it was open seating. Yeah, yeah. Right? So Kelly's wife, Juliette, came over and she was like, hey, Do you guys have a place to sit? Come, Come sit right with, with us. us. Yeah. We were like, All right, cool. So we go sit down and it's you and your wife, Ashley. Yep. It's Mark Bell and his wife. It's Kelly and Juliette. And we're like, Holy shit! Like yeah, this works This great. is the table. The brain yeah. trust. This is the table. What, what
1: a weird wedding that was, though. Like, we—I was laughing about. It. I was like, "This thing should just be t- like hashtag the fattest and the fittest."
0: Because you've got like
1: Camille LeBlanc, who's like CrossFit Games winner, is there. Meanwhile, Mark Bell's there. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, the guy that trains with Jesse Andy with all the cat shirts. Yeah. yeah, he's also there. It's like there's there's half guys that are super fucking
0: gross, and then there's this other group of girls
1: that are all incredibly fit and amazing. Just a really strange combination of it people. Was,
0: it was funny. It was funny to look around, especially dancing. But I remember because <laughs> Kelly officiated it. Yeah. And he's sweating bullets. Sweating Jesse's sweating death, bullets. Dude. And I kept staring at Mark Bell, thinking like, "This guy's got to be cooking." Yeah. And I didn't see one bead of sweat drop off his head. I was like, Is he "He's just dehydrated? So dehydrated all the dehydrated. What's wrong? Yeah, what's wrong with him? Like he's the biggest dude here. He could barely. See, he looks like he's Ray so Lewis gross. squeezed into a into a suit that's too so small gross, for him, dude. And no sweats coming out." He's like, oh, I was sweating. Just not out of my
1: face. Yeah, he, uh, what did he, so at, at some point when Mark was still fat, like, uh, Kelly had talked him into getting a hot tub. And so like, he gets it and like, he's in it and like, ends up like calling Kelly after calls Kelly or Jesse afterwards. He's like, dude, my, uh, my shins are pink. And he's like, yeah, it's blood flow. It hasn't happened in years <laughs> <laughs> in, your, in your terrible legs. <laughs> he's like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm nervous. Was not sure? Yeah, I think I'm dying. <laughs> can feel my left arm.
0: <laughs> Smell toast. That's great. So obviously, I mean, you do anything long enough, whether that's Fuck. marathon running, MMA, anything, you're going to get repetitive stress in your yeah. And especially when competition's on the line and you decide that, all right, I'm just going to keep going through this thing. Right, So you talked about your ACL getting torn years ahead of time before yep. you decided to hang it up. How Obviously, dealing with that now, and you're still out of the woods recovering from that knee injury, but how much has it helped having guys like Kelly Storette on board?
1: It, it's, it, it's priceless, right? It, it's priceless to have those guys that you can, you can reach out to and confirm ideas or, or be like, hey, man, I got this problem I can't quite solve. You're really smart, <laughs> and I'm a caveman. What do you think? Yeah. And, and like, you know, having someone like Kelly to either say, uh, back off and give it time or he's like, you're fine. That's okay. Pain. Like that's this healing. Yeah. You know, let's just keep moving. Yeah. And, and then no, you know, and it's, you know, after 20 years of lifting and 20 years of training and pushing yourself, like, you know, the difference between good and bad pain, that pain of like, Oh, we're done for the day. Yeah. Or, Shut it down. Cause if I don't, this will cost me two weeks. You know, live to fight tomorrow is kind of is a better better plan than be stupid and win training that day and not be able to do anything for the next month.
0: Yeah, I'll leave it all out on the field in this practice. Yeah, talk a bit about like these the training schedule because you guys have multiple competitions spread throughout the year. Some of them are more important than others. Of course, right.
1: right? So so we would basically compete. I would do about I I probably competed as much as any of the American guys. Uh, The Scottish guys is a little different. Their schedule is a little it's shorter, but they'll do like three or four games a week. Um so for the American guys it's essentially every weekend. And so I would compete from you know early May late April till the last game is the the Celtic Classic which is this weekend in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's like national championship. And um uh, so I would do 21 22 games in that time span. So you you'd do a set of 3, have a weekend off, a set of 4, a weekend off, maybe two in a row. Vice versa. And so like you really As an athlete, like you can only peak, you know, really set yourself up for that big performance a few times a year because you need a, you know, you need a strength cycle that goes into it. You've got to taper off and you've got to be ready for it. And you can't ask yourself to be that way for 23 weekends. Like you can't maintain that plateau. It's not a plateau. It's a peak. You know, and so it's early in the season. There's going to be games. And at least for me as an athlete was saying like, all right, this one doesn't matter. Like I've got to lift Thursday night heavy because I'm eight weeks out from from a big game, and so I may be sore this weekend. And this weekend is focused in practice and those those competitions I looked at as sharpening the stone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like get used to competing. Get used to focusing. Get your let's dial in the variables about you know how do I approach the the throw? How do I approach the trig? What are my cues? And what am I working on this week? So that whenever that peak comes man, it's autopilot yeah. that you're just go faster. And those little details have already dialed in because you've done them so many times.
0: Hell yeah. You know. and you're not burning yourself out. For no, the, right. For the, you're not giving your all in, in every single competition because yeah. you know what's most important that two or three times a year. Right. Right. And, and
1: I mean, you can't hold, you can't hold that line, uh, that top level. And I mean, you may sneak in a big throw, but that wasn't the plan. Like, I mean, never turn down a, a personal record. But, I mean, the idea is you want to throw those when they count. I'd rather throw five personal best at the World Championship than I would have thrown them eight weeks ago at some game in Albuquerque that, you know, didn't didn't pay well and there's nothing on the line. Yeah. And so, you know, don't go win that game and then take fifth at Worlds. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, just, you messed up. And so, like, that mentality to it is – is is. Some, some For me, like I, I'm not a guy that would win every week. Like I was a top two, hold on, you know, maybe sneak in a win here. But when it came time for Worlds, that's when I were, whenever I could turn it on.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that's a really important thing for people to understand that are not competing at a super high level. Right. It's just this concept of, I mean, think about how many people sign up for gym memberships in January, burn themselves out, and then they don't yeah, show up from March on. Right? Resolutionist. Exactly. But – it's the concept of, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do everything I can to get there. And they don't listen to their body. They don't take time off. They don't think of things in cycles or periodization. Or, and, and you don't even have to do periodization if you're not competing. But just this idea, the concept of deload. Like, I'm going to bust my ass for a little while. And I know when I have a given break where I'm going to yeah. just get out in nature, go for some hikes. Some active some, recovery. Yeah, easy training you know, me, on the that, side. For me,
1: that's getting on the bike. Yeah. Doing something different that's still effort, but not, it doesn't fatigue the CNS. I can let the CNS recover. I'm not trying to go kill myself. Um, you know, that, that was always really important. Like my training cycle has always been uh, like five weeks on one week off and, or sorry, four weeks on one week off. And so mm-hmm. that week of deload was always like three sets of 10 at 50%. We like go in, break a sweat. If something was better than going into the gym and breaking a sweat, like go take 10 light throws at 80% effort or go ride your bike for an hour. Yeah. Like that's, that's a deload. That works. The weird spot that people mess up deloads is when you finish that fourth week and you've had kind of a mini peak or, you know, go through whatever that cycle is that you go chase a new PR so that you can reset for the next cycle. Like, well, I feel good. I don't, I don't want to get out of the gym. Good. Stay feeling that way every cycle, forever. <laughs> like yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, why would you push this to go six weeks and then be tired or something's fatigued when you can fully recharge now instead of burning that battery down?
0: Well, that's when people, it's the concept of, I'm going to chase this goal short term and not think about bigger picture. I'm not right. going to think long term. And really, you know, if you think about your body in sustainability, I mean, that word gets tossed around with sure. the environment and everything. And I'm not saying it's not important for the environment. I'm just talking about, you and I personally, and everyone listen to this personally, if you think of that your your goals, big picture, long term, lifelong, making it into sustainable practice is everything. And that includes routinely having at least that five to seven day deload where you can actually relax and yep. get out of your element. And a lot big big thing for me was doing things that I wouldn't normally do. So that it's it's You know, it's one thing to say, like, all right, I'm gonna cut my weights to fifty percent and do some of the similar exercises, another thing to say, like, I'm just gonna go fucking be in nature. Or or Or, do yoga this week, which for me as a thrower is totally different, right? But totally different.
1: How does that not help me? You know, I am gonna it is strengthening, it is hard work, it is sweating, it's it's you know, moving fluids through my body and it and it's some stretching mobility stuff. As a thrower, like mobility is a big part of the game because I mean the further I can put my right shoulder or right hand behind my right hip the longer I get to apply force. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, it's no different than a a pitcher, you know, the further that hand can get back behind him, the longer he gets to pull
0: on it. Yeah. And you have that mental reset by doing something that's completely, completely out of the wheelhouse. Right. right? So it's not like, Hey, I'm going back to the same gym to do the same things and it's going to be easy this week. It's like, no, 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 no. Like let's completely change the environment. Right. Let's take my mind off this thing. And then when I come back, I'm hungry again.
1: Yeah, and that was, that was huge for me too because uh, for, for the entirety of my career, I trained, I trained in my garage. I trained by myself. And so I've, I've never had training partners. I've just always done it, go throw by myself or, or lift by myself. And so getting out of that to you know, take the wife and go for a bike ride instead of being in the gym dying was always nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a welcome
0: change. Yeah, like, oh, cool, man. Let's, let's go do something else. <laughs> That's awesome. So, we talked about your injuries. How did your You were a pretty big dude when you were throwing and all yeah. throughout your career. Yeah, I about that 290. 290? Yeah. Damn. I was 268 I at ASU. That's a 290. I can't even imagine carrying that was, kind of weight. It wasn't pretty. About <laughs> the heaviest I'd ever got was during Strongman. I got
1: up to like 318.
0: Damn. It's real strong.
1: I bet. It was real gross. You have trouble uh, wiping your <laughs> I have ass, have trouble doing, doing everything, stuff? Yeah. trouble sleeping. You use the, the re- removable
0: shower head. Oh, yeah. You start just, getting just sleep back By the day
1: never got sleep at me i would just snore okay like my window of snore my wife, it's like if i break like 285 i snore like 283 a lot I of, snore a, lot of at sweaty, all. a lot of sweaty mouth breathing going
0: yeah. on the iq lowers <laughs> just just goes bad man <laughs> all that brain power is getting sucked
1: into all that meat oh yeah and it was fun man it look as a as a strength athlete there's something really cool about some point in your career Just putting the foot on the gas pedal and say, I want to get as strong as I can physically be. Not for this weight class. How strong can I be? So let's eat everything I can find and let's train like a motherfucker. And there's a window to do that. Mm -hmm. But at some point, like, I don't know a lot of 350 pound 50 year olds. Yeah. You know, they're dead. (laughs) So not trying to do that either. Like at some point, let's go the other direction. And so that was for me like getting injured and, and finally not having that excuse to tell myself at the end of the season of like, all right, we're going to lose a little weight. Let's, let's drop some body fat. And then come January, you know, it's time to put the gas back on and, and, and start training and eating. Cause I've got to be 275, 280, 285 to throw far. That was, that's my, my window. I tried doing it lighter. I tried doing it heavier. If I got heavier, I was slow. And if I was too light, I just didn't have enough sand in my pockets. And so every time that, you know, I would start seeing a little bit of strength loss. It would just hit the brakes and be like, nope, yeah, that ain't happening. I'm doing that. Back to it. <laughs> and so, you know, we'd fix a couple of cheeseburgers and move on. Uh, but like, I, I don't need to be that strong anymore. You know, I don't need to have a 700-pound squat. It doesn't serve me anything in my current life. Um, so the one thing I've never done well is diet. I've never, I never committed to it. I never did it. I never got to learn how to do it and so this year being hurt and saying i'm taking the year off like like man i'm I've, I've lost 50 pounds and if i wanted to go back up to 280 and get strong well it's it's almost one o'clock now i could probably pull that off by dinner you know <laughs> so it's never going to be hard for me to go the other direction if i really wanted to gain it back mm-hmm. but you know it was it was different learning the discipline of what foods work for me what diet works for me and Following more of a uh, you know a high fat low carb ketogenic approach did did a lot of good for me.
0: Yeah, you look phenomenal. I, I feel mean,
1: I feel a lot better, man. You know, you and, you and there's see, still a lot of work could, to
0: do. You could see the fifty pounds off, and yeah. it's crazy because obviously being limited, being on you just got off crutches, right? Right, and to uh, you know give you a big hug, and I'm like, damn, dude's hard as a rock <laughs> still. I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. You know?
1: Yeah, you know, you know, uh, the 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 big hard thing to realize for me with the weight loss was that it's it's 90% in the kitchen. You know, it has very little to do with what I'm doing in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you just got to be in a caloric deficit. Anything you do in the gym is lanyap to that being in a caloric deficit. It's just helping because yeah. it's, it's so hard to burn an extra thousand calories and it's really easy to eat an extra thousand calories.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so – well, there's the hormonal response too, you right. know, and Ben Greenfield and a lot of the guys that we follow and talk to on this subject, I mean, the, the calories in, calories out works to an extent, but really when you start talking about hormonal response from carbohydrates, that's why you can see all, all things the same, all things equal, calories the exact same. Tim Ferriss posted about this in uh, The 4-Hour Body. The the ninety, They had a study done with A, B, and C group, 2,000 calories each, Uh, One group got 90% carbs, one group got 90% protein, one group got 90% fat. Carb group gained over a pound a day. Protein group lost just over a half a pound a day. And the 90% fat group lost over a pound a day. And that has to do with hormones. It has to do with insulin response. And if you're eating enough carbohydrates to stimulate insulin, that's going to carry and store and tell the body, hold on. It's not going to tell the body to burn anything, right? Right. So it's, it's a... It makes a world of difference, and I think the reason I like talking with you about this is because of the fact that there's quite a few people out there who have limiting injuries that they're not going to recover from. They're not going to get better. They won't get out of their wheelchair. They're they're there for life, Right. right? And there's always that complaint of, well, you know, if I could move more, and don't get me wrong, I'm not making light of serious injury or handicaps. What I'm saying is there is a way there's a way for everyone.
1: That's that focus, right? That's that difference in the mindset of like, okay, I can't squat. I can't deadlift. I can't throw. I can not eat like an asshole. Mm -hmm. I can pedal the assault bike with one leg in my arms. I I can just use my arms. I can sit on the bench with dumbbells and, and never move from this single spot and destroy myself in an hour with 20-pound with dumbbells. And like those aren't heavy for me, but enough effort and enough time, they are. Yeah. And so, but the biggest part of that is, I mean, what can I do? You know, and if you stay focused on that and not, who gives a shit about what you can't do, that's out the window. I also can't fly. I also can't have a million dollars today to have someone cook all my meals for me. So those things aren't options. Why even talk about them? Mm-hmm. You know, but what I can do is is choose what goes in my mouth. That's a really simple one. It doesn't just show up. You know, it's and, and for me, as much as I travel and do stuff like that, carbohydrates for me were the easiest to avoid. You know, cuz I am going to eat out a lot. I'm going to be on the road, and it's very easy to say like no bread, no potatoes, no rice. Perfect. You know, because if you're eating out, you can't avoid fat. That's why things are delicious. That's how they cook in restaurants. (laughs) And so it was really easy for me to, you know, have, you know, eight ounces of ribeye and an avocado. This made sense. I'm full. Yeah. You know, and the biggest difference, man, I noticed energy level for me was how sustained everything felt. And what I always try to to explain it to people was, you know, carbohydrates are this, you know, if you've got a fire burning – carbs are gas you can throw on the fire and you get this giant explosion however you pour enough gas on it it's just going to smother it and go out too however so you want to you have to keep putting this small amount of gas on the fire to keep the gas you know keep Be- it keep it rolling the right whole time. or you have an oil lamp and that thing just burns low and slow off of fat forever and that's that thing, so you don't get these big spikes, you don't get this big crash, you don't get any of that. I just felt way more even, and I was able to, you know, not wake up in the morning starving, and I could, I could have coffee with a little bit of uh, MCT oil in it and be good till noon, you know, and learn to eat when I'm hungry and learn to eat, stop eating at, at when I'm full instead of hate myself.
0: Yeah, it's much easier to pump the brakes and listen to your body. So we get so conditioned and that's like another thing. Like you hear all these these health and wellness professionals saying like, chew your food, do this, do that, pay attention. Or even, you know, more of the the meditation type guys with mindfulness. Be right. mindful of the food you put in your body. Well, what, what the fuck does that mean? It means not having TV on in the background. It means actually engaging. It means looking at your plate and whether you pray or not, like engage with your food, yeah. watch it go in, slow it down a little bit. Slow it down a little bit, you know? Man, because you can...
1: For me, with, with with carbs, like, I mean, there's that kind of 20-minute window, right, where you're eating that before your body triggers to tell you that you're full. And, man, I can blow through some stuff in the shape of potatoes. You can accomplish or a lot yeah. in that 20 minutes. Yeah. and then all of a sudden, 20 minutes, and I'm like, I've made a mistake. I've made a huge <laughs> mistake. I have to go lay down on the floor now, like, face down on the concrete and yeah. stop from sweating. You know, whereas, like, it's hard to overeat with, you know, steak, and, and avocado or, yeah. or iceberg lettuce, which is essentially nothing. There's just no caloric value to it whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but you can eat a ton of that and get full. You know, at some point, you know, it'd just be like, all right, I'm full.
0: That was great. Yeah, I find that often now when we're doing like uh, we still love eat burgers, you know. Yeah. So we will do turkey burgers, grass-fed beef, and we'll wrap it in like a dark leafy green like Swiss chard or collard greens. And we'll make, you know, four or whatever we make for my wife and I. And neither one of us will finish too, right? You know, and there's almost that like, well, it's not going to taste good if I reheat it tomorrow. And it's like, I don't give a fuck. It didn't cost that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like I can. It's better for me to say no right now and listen right. to my body than to put it down just for the starving children in Africa or whatever. You know, sure. whatever and, The story and, is your parents. And, and it'll be told fine
1: you. tomorrow. I can always take a burger and then chop it up exactly. and just eat it as ground meat because the the one thing I've looked at is like I really do believe in in moderation and. All things moderation, including moderation. Sometimes let's put it down and let's enjoy ourselves. And if I'm going to treat most of the meals during the week, you know, for me, I'm, I'm working out of the house and like most meals are fuel. Like I'm simply just like, oh shit, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. It's one o'clock. So I'll, you know, put fish and some, some butter in a pan and, and some vegetables in a bowl and, and eat it like a dog basically and just throw it down and then go back to work. You know, or move on to the next thing. Like, like, those meals, be strict. Eat the right things. It's just fuel. But you don't have to be the guy that brings Tupperware to your wife's birthday party to lose <laughs> weight. You know what I mean? You don't yeah. have to be that asshole either. Like, Unless you're trying to get on stage and, and do bodybuilding, and then you don't want my advice. Yeah, you, know, you got it. <laughs> like you don't need my help with your diet
0: yeah, if that's you your be, goal. You could be cool on yeah. tilapia and asparagus for six weeks. Yeah, good man. That's that's your thing.
1: But like, I mean, go have a piece of cake. Don't don't lose your mind. But once that's done, it's done. You know that was your reward, and so that you know, I, I'd say I was probably pretty strict with like no meals out of line, no cheating for.
0: I bet probably twelve to sixteen weeks. That's so important. So many people. I mean, even doing like these Facebook lives, so many people will say like, man, you know, I've been doing a ketogenic diet for six weeks now and, and, you know, I've fallen off the wagon twice and I'm like, wrong. That's it right there. Commit to it Commit for to it, at right. least 30 days. Yeah. If you can go six to eight weeks. Yeah. Hold as long as you then can. You will, you will be, it'll go, it'll pay dividends. Yeah. And then getting back into ketosis is far easier down the yeah. road because your body has understood how to process
1: fats correctly. Right. And that was. My answer to people, you know, via social media and talking and stuff like that. And they'd be like, so what about a cheat day? Like, what are you doing for a cheat day? I was like, I had 33 fucking years of cheat days. Like, it's time to figure something else out. I'm tired of being fat. I'm tired of feeling kind of gross. And like, I mean, the body's an amazing machine. And what it adapts to and can change to and do at so many different levels like if you give it that stimulus long enough, it's going to adapt. I mean, that's the same reason is because I've sat in a truck or a desk for so many years of my life that my hip flexors are short and my back rounds and these other <laughs> things, right? Because my body was like, okay, cool. Our stable position now is sitting. Uh, this is Let's the new build normal. the armored around this. We're uh-huh. set to be in that position for 10 hours. This is no problem. You know, whereas if you're a guy who stands all day, you ask him to sit in a chair for three hours, like he's broken. and And so.
0: You've mastered the
1: sitting. Yeah, I've, I've got it, but but now I've got ten years of sitting to unfuck, and and that doesn't happen overnight either. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't get to go as hard as you do for that long, and then be like, okay, change.
0: Like, nah, man. Yeah. Well, I did. I did the super couch stretch for two minutes. and It <laughs> right. still felt locked. Right. Like it might take. You're talking about 30 years. It might yeah. take committing to that two minutes each leg. Yeah, for daily, five years. For five years to really see change and to really be able to keep your ribs tucked and, right. and pull the pelvis forward and see that position the way Kelly Surret does. Yeah, it, but let's right? look
1: at it over a month. How much progress can we make in a month? Can we make can you get a half inch closer to your heel? That's huge. Yeah. I mean, there's probably only six inches to get through. If you got through a half inch, like that's a big percentage of where we're at. Game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and people people get lost in that. And I think part of that is just you know, America is you know, we are hell- I want it now. Yeah, we're Hail Marys and home runs, man. You know, uh-huh. like the same reason we can't watch soccer is like this is slow shit. Like meanwhile, there's only like 16 minutes of active anything going on in any of the
0: other sports we watch, but that's great. <laughs> you know, like, I get pissed when I see the Prime two-day free yeah, shipping. I'm yeah, like, yeah, right. where's my Prime one-day or yeah, my right. Prime same-day? What kind of shit is this? Yeah. Now I'm going to get oh, a different
1: God, product. I have to wait forever for this thing. It was yeah. something I didn't need for the last 34 <laughs> years of my life, and now I can't go another set 48 hours without. <laughs> And it's free. Yeah, and it's free. Right, I'll right, pay
0: right. 10 bucks to have it tomorrow. I need pink salt. If I don't have it, like, just <laughs> can't work. I don't know what's in my cupboard's going to last 48 <laughs> right. hours. You'll make it. You'll be fine. Just ridiculous. Yeah, I think, I mean, whether you're talking about sports, uh, lifting, meditation especially, yeah. uh, eating, diet, whatever it is, consistency is king consistency outperforms everything everything else. It is the number one variable. Well, that's what we talked about a little bit was, was,
1: you know, the questions I'll get from people are like, Hey man, you know, some high school kid, right. Or, you know, someone, you know, trying to get into lifting, like, Hey man, you know, I want to get strong. Like what program do you think works? Like the one that you'll stick to the program that works is the one that you'll do four days a week for the next 10 years. Do it. Like, You know, the the people that jump programs and jump diets and, and did this for 72 hours and then I did, you know, five weeks of this and then I tried this. And so like you're just in this perpetual motion of never focusing on a single direction. And like the people that we love on the planet that we're fascinated by have such a level of singular focus that it doesn't make sense to the rest of us, that they get to put blinders on to be the best in the world at something. And look, man, I'm very, very proud of what I did in the Highland Games with, that ain't the same as, as Usain Bolt deciding to be the best in the world at running. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a different level of commitment, and like every day, every day that guy woke up for, for 20 years was to run faster. You know, I'm, I've had other interests and some balance in my life, whereas those guys don't. And like, those are the people you admire, like, like man, try to capture 30 percent of that. You know, Hold yourself to the standard that every day you're going to do this for 45 minutes. Every day, that's it. Forty five minutes. You waste that staring at a TV of something that you're not even listening to because you're also playing on your phone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that time just disappears. <laughs> like you don't even know it, that it existed. And you could have done something that would have been
0: huge for you. Hell yeah. And even if you can't carve forty five minutes out like we were talking about, steal and like it I man. all the time. 15 minutes three times in a day. Yeah, steal hit, it. Hit 10 minutes five times yeah. throughout the day. Now you got 50. Yeah, right? You're at
1: work, and you need to stretch, and it's weird around your cubicles, like sneak off in the bathroom. Yeah. You hang out Go in the stall and just minute. stretch for a minute. Like do something, man. You know, decide. You know, pretend you need a smoke break.
0: Hit a Go work around outside. the building. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Get outside. So let's talk. I mean, obviously, you know, your friends with Mark Bell, a lot of the guys, we have mutual friends. Yeah. You watched Prescription Thugs. Of course. On Netflix. Phenomenal documentary. I recommend it to everybody. If you haven't seen it, it's free on Netflix. So $10 a month, it's free. And, uh, you know, they've made some great documentaries prior to that and have an, uh, another one in the works right now. But, yeah, point is, like, how much did that impact you? I mean, you have all these surgeries you're going through, you're in a shit ton of pain. And the way we handle pain in America is here, take this pill. Yeah, it's, it's really strange. It,
1: it it's it's really strange um i hate that there's no alternatives to pain management you know that that are even allowed by the medical profession they're 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 essentially malpractice for for a doctor to say you know even for cancer treatment the fact that anything other than surgery or chemotherapy is they can't recommend it's illegal like, come on man like that's not helping and so you know, I'm I'm sure for a guy like you or a guy like myself who who's done the things we've done to our body by choice, like our pain threshold's different than other people's. And so like for mine to be bad enough that I feel like I need a pain like I don't I don't know what zero like what's zero on the pain scale anymore. I have no idea. That that doesn't exist. Something hurts at all times, and that's cool. That's my receipt for deciding to do awesome shit for twenty years. And but yeah man, like I was I'm terrified of it. I'm terrified of the idea of like opiates and stuff like that. Like I don't like the way I feel on it. My brain's cloudy. I'm not there. I don't make like I don't form sentences well. I'm just slow. And I don't like it. And so whatever I could do to to stay off of that was huge for me. And uh like that that was the big push for me to try, you know, CBD oil and some different different methods to really deal with inflammation and deal with stuff post-surgery.
0: Yeah, that's big. I think that's absolutely massive for people to understand that there are some other things out there. There's other options. Far less addictive. Yeah. And it's interesting. You know, like I've, I've seen, uh, I think a, a great documentary is The Culture High, which is also okay. on Netflix. A couple of buddies of mine that are, that are up in Canada. And uh, they were touching on opiate addiction and things like that, but it was, it was more about, you know, how society... Has used cannabis through not just our society, but through the thousands of years, right. how it's been in all these cultures, how it grows on every continent. And then what are the different ways that it's being utilized now? And how is science starting to catch up to the things that people have said? You know, all these N equals, the thousands and thousands of N equals one experiments that have gone on and shown its efficacy. And um, it's pretty cool. They're, they were talking to this guy, a Japanese doctor up in uh, University of California, San Francisco. And so he started using um, high-dose THC and for pain management with people that were going through chemo and cancer. Yeah. And he was like, this is working. Like it's working, it's working so well that a lot of them were able to either stop taking their opiate pills completely or cut at least cut their dosages in half, which right. is massive, right? Which is
1: massive for, for, for the healing process, which is massive for mental state, which is massive for... You know, part of what kills you with cancer, right, is it's the being sick from chemo and then that crushes your immune system and then you're on all this other medication that your body doesn't ever get to rebuild and so something else makes you sick. And then so now you've got pneumonia and I can't do the chemo because I've got pneumonia. Yeah. And so the cancer comes back or or makes up ground. And so, well, I get healthy enough that I get to do the chemo again, then I'm sick again. And it's this ongoing cycle till till you're dead. It's it's rarely the cancer kills you. It's the side effects of cancer and your body not being able to fight that kill you. Yeah. And man, I mean, just feel like 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 what do we have to lose for trying something else?
0: Well, there is a legal issue in some in some sure. states, but you know, like like I've said, many, you know many people have said there is a domino effect that's going on right now. Yeah, and you can see it happening. You can see it's it happening. Much. Not just because of money coming in. Money's, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. It is a huge factor. It's a huge factor. But, but That's going to be the biggest thing that helps it get through. But there's money to be made. It's also the fact that, you know, when Colorado went legal, you didn't see a ton of deaths. You didn't see oh. a ton of all the, you know, you didn't see a ton of violent crime. You saw less Show domestic me the violence, less right. violent crime, just less people getting in trouble and doing stupid stuff and a general sense of well-being in addition to a shit ton of tax money coming in which they use for schools and different things like that
1: you know man I, and i i spent a lot of years bouncing and working in bars working in strip clubs and typical strength athlete on the way up you know these, these are jobs we're all allowed to have it works great <laughs> yeah. and like almost are you really a meathead if you've never bounced somewhere like i'm not sure it's part, it's part of the game it's a prerequisite and, yeah. to enter into any any sport and so like, you know, I always think about it, like the years that I spent in bars and I've had my fair share of drinks and made dumb decisions. And then I think now, like, you know, using using marijuana more. Like, like people get too high and they get introvert and get paranoid and, and start contemplating what they're saying more than they should. No one's too high yelling at you, spitting, trying to throw punches at you because you bumped into him on the floor. Yeah. Like it's a different drug than alcohol, but it's a drug. I mean, I mean, both of these things are—we're trying to alter our state either way you look at it. People are going yeah. to the bar to feel differently than they do at work. Yeah, whether that's one drink
0: or twenty, yeah, or thirty, it's still the same deal. You're trying to ch- change your state of being. Yeah, and yeah, that can be for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, right? right? Yeah, There's just good, because good and this and one's legal, anything.
1: you know, and, and you know. We give an awful lot of, people are very, very comfortable giving a lot of credit for our safety to, well, the government said that this is legal, so that makes it bad. You know, I think about my, my mom's generation or something like that. Well, this, it's illegal. That's why. Yeah, we, cigarettes we can't, are we, great. Right. Doctors recommend Marlboro. Right. Not only that, like, let's go back 60 years. Like, and look what, doc, like, at some point we gave people cocaine. At some people we gave heroin. We, we created heroin to be a less addictive uh, morphine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. These are things we did. You know, meanwhile, it, like it hasn't been the safest thing that they've always done for us. They're just trying to do the best they can with the information they have. And then that water starts getting muddied by, you know, lobbyists and different stuff like that. And that's its own thing I'm not trying to dive into. Mm-hmm. I'm sure shit not going to fix it here sitting at this table. But like, a little open-mindedness, and, and for me, it's I just, for the life of me, don't like telling another adult what they can and can't do with their body. Yeah. You want to get tattoos word. on your face, man? That's your fucking business. But I mean, there are repercussions for your action, and you got to re- be responsible too. No one owes you the freedom, you know. So be smart there. Like, don't get a bunch of face tattoos and then be mad that you can't get a job working at Apple. <laughs> you know, like that was a choice you made, man. Like, like, that comes with it. Like, you can't cut off your left hand because you don't like the way it looks and then be mad that you can't do stuff. Yeah. You don't get both. And and so, I mean, there are there are risk and there are stuff like that. And you've just got to decide whether those risks are worth the result and for you. You have a respect
0: for what you're doing. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, I, that's something I tell a lot of people, especially older folks who have been turned off. Like, you know, everyone has this story like, yeah, man, I tried this edible cookie once and it just, I was floored and I'll never do it again. And it's like, yeah, I get Too it. Much. I get it. But it's different now. You know, it's different now because there is regulation. It's different now because you know, five milligrams is going to be five milligrams for the most part. 10 is 10 for the most part. And I think it's much easier to kind of with respect gauge where you're headed. You know, it's the same deal with alcohol. Like you don't, maybe when you're 13 or 15, if you're a young hooligan, like we were, You'd look at a jack bottle and be like, like I can all finish right, that. We're gonna dust this thing tonight. Yeah. But no, as an adult, trouble. you yeah. look at that and you have some respect for it because yeah, you, know you know the power man. that's in that bottle. You know right. what it can do if you go too far with it, right? Yeah. I think it, having yeah. that for cannabis is no different.
1: Right. And I can see where people mess it up with, with 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 edibles because I mean you get a gummy bear. You're like, but it's Nick, what do you mean I'm gonna eat a third? Of a gummy bear. I'm just gonna eat the head. Yeah, yeah like a third of a gummy <laughs> bear. That's a crazy thing to even tell me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big guy. I'm gonna eat probably five gummy bears because they're delicious, <laughs> and, and now I'm in trouble. So Be- deep trouble. Yeah, and I mean, like, but enough peanuts will kill you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, too and much water will kill you. Enough water will kill you. You know, salt. Any anything in a, a crazy amount is is a problem. Yeah, I mean. With that, I don't think marijuana is killing anyone. No,
0: no deaths so, to this day. Uh, there
1: is. There is a... Uh, they they <laughs> talked about it on Rogan. The uh, <clears throat> well, fatal dose of marijuana is someone has to smoke like...
0: It, would oh, have it, it exists, but it yeah. hasn't happened. No, no, of yeah. course not,
1: because it's like 600 kilos has to be smoked in like a 15-minute period. And I just assume that's from asphyxiation, from a lack of oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe they dead. could get
0: some mega concentrate yeah, and mainline it. No air getting Somewhere into you. Somewhere in the future yeah, we might but... accomplish that with all these kids doing dabs. But, yeah, so th- th- I think that's really powerful, you know, because that wasn't something that you were into before. It's not no. like you grew up a stoner. It's no, It's not like this no. was something where no, you, you No, know, man,
1: it's, it's always – and there was a big negative side of it, man. There was a big negative side to a lot of stuff, you know, especially coming up as a track athlete with – being drug tested and hell the Highland games are a drug tested sport. Like we got tested. I probably got tested four or five times throughout, you know, every year of my career and right marijuana is on the band list. And I really never got into any of that until the last 18 months with coming out of surgery. And what a, what a difference I have felt it's made. Um, you know, I'm not eating you know six Advil a day to make my knees and, and ankles and, and elbows feel better. We've also lost 50 pounds, but the truth of that, right, is, you know, talking to PT buddies that you put so much more pressure on, on your knee and ankle joint, contracting your quad, than you do standing with an extra 50 pounds of body weight. So, I mean, sure, it's better for you to not walk around
0: heavier, but it's negligible compared. Yeah, and you'd credit a lot of that pain going away from systemic inflammation, things like that from the use of CBD. And a, absolutely. Of
1: Especially with improved sleep. You know, I can't, I can't recover if I can't sleep. You know, stress goes up, cortisol levels go up. All these other things go up if your sleep's bad. And if you can sleep better, like that's the big one for me. And this, you know, it, it was a big switch for me too. And I'm not an all day guy. You know, if I don't need it, I don't use it. And you know, it, it always worked to me as like, how do we get a better night's sleep tonight? Because I'm uncomfortable with my leg, whether I was in a straight leg brace trying to sleep. And so, you know, the doctors are like, oh, well, cool. We'll just give you promethazine and, you know, an oxy and, you know, and, 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 you know, something else to help your stomach because these are going to rip you up, Yeah. you know, and then, you know, and two or three anti-inflammatories. I'm like, your come on, man, there's cocktail. four pills for me to go to, you know, six pills for me to go to sleep and then feel like shit in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then have bad sleep because I'll get crazy. I get really strange dreams on uh, Promethazine and, and Oxy. And, and they're not fun dreams. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I don't want to be in that, that realm. They're a bad place. Uh, and I, I noticed with, you know, something simple like um, like a CBD pen, I sleep,
0: I sleep hard, I sleep good, I'm relaxed. You wake up refreshed. Yeah. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. And that also comes with fine tuning, because certainly if you overdo it, you're going to have that grogginess lingering sure. next day. But still, it's not as bad as a pharmaceutical grogginess, that Which, kind of thing, or a, or a hangover. Where so, where are you at now? You know, like you 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 decided to move on. Yeah, you, you've it, got some new tools in the tool bag. You dropped fifty pounds. You look fucking great. How's your mind shift? or mind mindset shift. shifted a bit.
1: I, I want I want adventure, man. You know, and you know what we talked about was you know the idea of like what's What's next in life? You know, it's been real easy to, to be like, okay, that was done. Now what? Let's not focus on what I can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll just be miserable. You know, I'll miss throwing, and hopefully training-wise, I can get back to some of it because I do think it's valuable. There's, there's some tools and lessons there, but I don't think as a competitor in the Highland Games that it has any new lessons to teach me. And so what is there out there that I can find that i can figure out adventure wise like i want to spend more time with my wife man like driving around the country and doing some long road trips which i really love doing our our country's amazing it, it's huge you know i get jealous of my buddies in europe that can go from country to country and travel the way they do and get to oh you know we're in scotland so we just go to we'll pop over to spain like a fuckers. you know you just <laughs> pop over to spain or yeah. pop over to italy on a train you know, you, you forget that, like, there is that much difference to the environment from Maine to California. And you can be there tonight. You know, if your life is set up accordingly, like, you can hop on a plane. You can go. And you can go now. And just just do it and go. And, and you know, figure that part out. And, you know, and build your life around whatever your priorities are. And mine are going. I know that I'm at my best traveling a lot. And so I want to keep doing that, you know, same as I did for work for years, same as I did competing. And so like, I want to get more time out. I want to go see, you know, I'd like to, I'd love to at some point make, make the drive up to Alaska, up to the Yukon and camp along the way and see, see that beautiful country that, that, that's there. Like there's a last frontier, you know, man, like for, for as vast and giant as the universe is right. There's, there's so much of it that we can't explore, right? Just I'll not, I'm not going to have the technology in my lifetime to most likely make a trip to Pluto to, to catch a look back at the solar system, you know, like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll concede that, that I don't get to do that. But for all that infinite and amazingness that's out there, like there's awesome stuff here. Yeah. Like, like the fucking Grand Canyon's incredible. You know, look at you know, like Trans-Siberian railroad, or you see all these, great limestone, you know, stuff like structures in in Vietnam and these other places around the world that are amazing and stuff that even humans have done like the pyramids or any of these other type of things or you know, traveling to to Iceland and knowing knowing what the water feels like on the north side of Iceland, you know what I mean? Like I don't have to talk about it or wonder. Like I want to know Experience. and I want to and I want to share that with as many people as I can who who aren't as fortunate to make those trips. I mean, I'm very lucky that life has aligned itself in the way that it is that I'm getting to do this for a living. And I mean, that's, that's what I want to do. And I want to, I want to, you know, the wife we we've chosen I mean, she's working part-time as an esthetician so we can leave when we want to leave. That's nice. Having that flexibility is massive. Because like over what, like over, over a few bucks, like I'm not interested in having this like big giant safety net of uh, essentially what's a high score in a bank account. I mean, it's not like it's a tangible thing that I'll ever put my hands on, this this cash that's sitting in a savings account somewhere. It's just this sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And I can always tighten the belt. Yeah, you know, I can always choose to live within different means. I've been broke before. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. I've made more money than I make now. It was okay, too. You know, and so that that's really all money or any of that's good for It's buying options. It, it's if you're using it the right way, like it's options. Don't let the things that you're buying own you to where that you're stuck. And now that you've got this, I've got this house and then we've, you know, we've got this condo here that, well, so now I'm obligated to go here on vacation. Yeah. I don't even want to go there, but we own the place and we you pay rent there and we have to go. And so you just do the same thing every day for, for 30 years. And you're that guy who's like, Oh, shit, I'm 70. I was 20 yesterday. I don't want that. I want to slow down that time, and I want to try to make as many new genuine experiences and meet amazing people and and get what I can out of them and have them enrich my life as much as I can do theirs. And that's life experience, right? That's That's what I get to take with me to wherever that next place is. Hell yeah, brother. That Those are mine and you can't ever have them. Mm -hmm. And the cool part about those is, is like, if you and I go do the same thing, it's not the same life experience because your perspective of it's totally different. And I just want more of that. You know, the stuff that I do know, I know that being stronger is always going to be better for me. I know that mentally I operate better if I'm fit, if I'm, if I'm strong and I've got something physical I can do, whether that's fit enough to go ride my mountain bike or fit enough to ride my road bike or, you know, get up in the morning and do, you know, some suspension training, you know, just, just some push-ups, just some, some, some burpees, some things like that to get the blood flowing and feel strong for the day and go after it. Uh, one of my favorite things Kelly Storette ever said was, you know, he knows he's on vacation if he has done a sport, worked out and took a nap. And I'm like, man, <laughs> how, do I make, how do I make that my everyday life that it's not vacation? Yeah. You know, so he's like, you know, that's, you know, well, today, you know, I stand up paddleboard, I did a 45-minute workout in the gym, and I and I caught a 30-minute nap. Fuck, man.
0: That's set. Doing it right.
1: Yeah. You know For what sure. I mean? Like, that's that's making the most of it and being, being, being part of
0: the world and, and, like, the outside of it. Hell yeah, brother. That's beautiful. So... Well, we can wrap it right here, but let's let's get you to tell people where they can follow you and uh, talk a bit about your brand. Sure, this Um, awesome hat.
1: Yeah, so uh, my brand is a hate brand. So it's spelled H V I I I. The Roman numeral on the back end of it. You say H with an eight, hate. And I didn't want to have it as hate, right? There's just far too many negative connotations that I would spend way too long explaining. I spend plenty of time explaining this one but <laughs> it seems once people grasp it they're like ah and then then they're in like like some type of code they've broken and and the idea of it for me was like as athletes or or anything like pushing yourself right like we don't train the way that we have and live the way we have because we're content you know like like it's always like well cool I did that yesterday what gives a shit what today what's mm-hmm. now and like man hate yourself enough to push hard. You know, hate hate your being hate being comfortable. You know, be willing to to hate yourself enough to not have that cupcake. You know, to to eat the right food today, this meal. And and I mean a little bit of self self-motivation through self-loathing. You know, <laughs> it's a little healthy for everyone. And underneath that is all love. All of it, all of it, right? And look, yeah. man, I'm as, I'm as happy with me as I, as I can be. It's not, it's not the big negative hate, you know, I, you know, but it's, it's just hate that complacency.
0: Yeah. That, that's a that comfort,
1: cracker. man, that feeling of like good enough. Fuck you. Good enough. Like always better. Yeah. Like want always more, more. Want more for yourself yeah. in all areas of life. Right. You know, and that, that's what I want, you know, and that's, I lost. So the other job I had, right. Like I, that was. I did that for ten years, an outside sales guy in the petrochemical field, and it was a job I'm good at. I man I don't give a shit about it. I don't care about you know fire protection or, or or you know refractory work in in stuff like this. and so when when they decided to let me go just because they were you know shifting shifting direction the company, was fine. and it was luckily at that point, like i had had the brand running for a couple of years, and it was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to do this now. And, and, like, I didn't realize how much I didn't like that job until I didn't have to do it. I'm like, I don't have to spend 11 hours in my truck today to go have lunch with guys I don't want to talk to. Mm-hmm. And, like, man, my, my goal is, like, I just want to wake up and do whatever the fuck I want to that day. And if I can pull that off forever, sweet. <laughs> I don't need a giant boat. I don't need, you know, all these other things that become these weird anchors that, that shut down your freedom. I mean, I'm also not trying to live in a 200 square foot tiny house. There's there's some middle ground between completely minimalist and completely extravagant. Yeah. That that you can be comfortable and happy, and still have the ability to go. Hell yeah, brother! Where can people follow you online? So you can follow me at uh, on Instagram at I Hate Matt Vincent, uh, spelt the way uh, it is on the hat or HVIII. Um, uh, hate brand goods is another Instagram and, uh, the hate.com is where we, we carry all of our goods. And on YouTube, I'm uh, Matthew Vincent and I kind of try to document travels and all this other type of stuff that we do and had a really good time documenting the 10 days we were in Iceland, man.
0: Hell yeah, brother. Beautiful. Thank you so much Dude, for coming on. Have a ball. Appreciate it, brother. It. Alrighty guys. Thank you guys for tuning into the on it podcast with our guest, my buddy, Matt Vincent. Hope you guys learned a lot in this episode. Uh, Matt Vincent has a podcast that's just starting out. I've been a guest on it. Be sure to check that out and uh, we'll link to it in the show notes here for you. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, you've got questions. I've got answers. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central time, I'm going to be on on its main page on Facebook doing a Facebook Live Q&A. The Facebook Live Q&A runs for 30 minutes. If you can't make it at 6 p.m. Central time. All you have to do is write in your questions, and I'll be sure to get those answered for you, either by writing it or talking about it on the Facebook Live, which you can check out at any point in time after the show airs, but be sure to tune in live if you can. We're going to get a lot of information rounded out, talking about the podcast, talking
2: about different health topics, and I think you'll enjoy it. Hi, I'm Aubrey Marcus, CEO of Onnit.com. At Onnit, we've revolutionized the health and fitness industry with our unique and effective line of earth-grown supplements and foods aimed at helping you achieve total human optimization. Today I want to tell you about a product that has truly changed my life for the better, New Mood. New Mood is an effective daily stress supplement made with earth-grown nutrients designed to help you relax and help your body maintain an optimal mood balance. Great for unwinding after a long day and helping to ease ordinary stress, New Mood works by combining the two raw building blocks of important neurotransmitters, l-tryptophan and 5-htp to help the body maintain a state of peaceful calm safe for daily use new mood is ideal when you are under stress down in the dumps or just need some refreshing sleep thousands of people worldwide are already enjoying the relaxing effects of new mood on a daily basis and right now as a special offer we're giving you the opportunity to try new mood totally free just pay shipping and handling, and we'll send you out a free 30-count bottle of New Mood right away. Simple as that. We're only able to offer a limited amount of free bottles per day, so get your free bottle of New Mood now. Go to onnit.com trial, that's O-N-N-I-T dot trial, to pick up your first bottle on us after shipping and handling.